Good evening and welcome to another episode of Bobcast. With you as always is Bob, live in the lounge, staring at the Ouija board. Uh, tonight's guest, you know, I was thinking about it today on my walk this morning. Sometimes in life, you know, um, you lose touch with friends, you know, close friends too. People you grew up with, um, shared music with, played music with. But, you know, I mean, you never forget about them. And you think about all the good things that, you know, come along with them and those memories. And like, you know, during this time, staying at home during the COVID-19 pandemic, I was coming across all these old photographs and reminiscing about, you know, things back in the day. And um, tonight's guest, uh, I found a photograph and I sent it off to him to see how he was because, you know, he moved to the other side of, you know, the planet. And we'll get to that later in the show. But, um, you know, I was just like, how are you, man? And like, he's like, I'm doing well. And he agreed to come on the show. And I found out that he's still continuing his path of music. We'll get to learn about his band later this evening. And uh, I'm just totally stoked. And um, I, I met him as a child. I, I think I was a kid still. I was, it was before puberty I, I met um, tonight's guest. And um, he was a huge influence in my life. You know, I mean, I looked up to him like, you know, I didn't have a bigger brother. And he was the, the older kid on the block. And, you know, all of my friends, Jared and TJ, we all like idolize this guy, you know, and um, it's just great to have him on the show. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome into the mix for the first time ever on the Bobcast, Mr. Dylan Weiser. How are you, sir? My man, Pots and Pants. It's good to see you, Bob. It's good to see you too, man. My main man, Pots and Pants. You know what? I mean, like, we, we call each other that, and uh, Pat Mulholland was on the show not too long ago, and we were trying to, like, figure out, like, where that came from. And I said to him, I just remember, like, um, you know, as we got older, like, uh, in our late uh, teens, early 20s, like, you were doing lots of landscaping, and I remember working a few times with you and like it'd be like 6 a.m or 7 a.m i can't really recall but you would be waiting by the door willing and ready to go and whoever showed up you're like my main man pots and pants is that your recollection of it that's about right yeah that it uh it sort of came up when we were all landscaping together and uh yeah back at sort of i think that was like the end of high school and and beginning of like college days and yeah, that was sort of a fun time when we were playing music and, you know, uh, mm -hmm. just working and hanging out and didn't have lots of responsibilities other than just having a bunch of fun. I mean, even before that, though, I, I have fond memories of um, playing um, baseball in your backyard and yep. you had a sense of imagination. And I remember like you, you, you wanted it to make it, I believe, into Candlestick Park is what you called it in that backyard there on Taylor Road. That's right. Yeah. Right. You remember that? I do. <laughs> I remember we, I one time, okay. T, I'm sorry for uh, saying this story, but you would know the story, T. Like, I remember one time we got the wiffle ball stuck in the tree. There was this, in the caddy corner of your backyard, there was this huge, like, pine tree. And TJ got the wiffle ball stuck up in there. He's like, ah, I'll go up and get it. And then he went into the tree, and he straight, like, backflipped down and fell into the ground. And we all just stood there looking at him like, are you okay, T? But, um, yeah, I remember those, those moments well. And, um I remember, um, what year did you move to that neighborhood? I was trying to think that this morning. I can't recall. I think I, think I was in fourth grade when I moved to that oh neighborhood. So I would have been nine, ten years old, I think. And wow. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's crazy, I, man. I think, you know, I mean, like, since then, that particular house, because my parents still live on that block, oh, wow. there, there must have must have been maybe three, four different people who have lived there. 
you know? And um, I remember one, one couple who lived there, they loved having campfires out front. But yeah, it was such a, an interesting time because like you and like one of the things that we talk about here on the show a lot is just because we're, you know, within the same age group. It's like we grew up in the time and place when the internet wasn't, you know, running the show. TikTok right. wasn't at the forefront of everybody's consciousness. And like, we just kind of played with our imagination, you know, like we, we wanted to be outside and like, it, it, it's odd to like reflect upon that because like, as we were growing up, I always felt a disconnect from previous generations, but in hindsight, there was no difference. Like what, right. what do you, what do you recall from that time period? Well, and that, that's interesting to, you know, look back on that and, and reflect and we're now the generation that says, you know, remember playing outside and remember the wiffle ball in the tree and, and not having cell phones and, and those devices and using your imagination and yeah, just growing up on the street and doing a paper route and hanging out with friends. And, that's right. You, you did have a paper route, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is a good segue. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so you had the paper route. I remember that. And I remember like you, you were like trying to, you were like, yeah, I can get you guys a job. And I remember the game Paperboy for Nintendo and being so inspired by it. I also remember, um, and uh, I, I just recall, like, you were the first person I ever met who was able to successfully hold down a job at such a young age, and you had money to go and do things, you know? And um, I remember this one time, um, you know, at age 40, I'll, I'll just say that I'm sorry. I, I took 100 bucks from you, and I said I would go down to south of the border and buy you fireworks, and I didn't come back with those fireworks. I had to wait for them because I spent the money. But I eventually did get you the fireworks. But I just want to say here on the show, in the year 2020, I'm sorry for doing that in like 1994. I was 14 years old. I never had a $100 bill in my pocket. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's crazy too, because in today's world now, fireworks are everywhere. When we were growing up, fireworks were so like unique. And like we didn't, you know, like it was like an unattainable thing. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was a big yeah. deal. And but not to interrupt you, but yeah, I am sorry for that. And I thought about that, like during like the pandemic of all the things I've done wrong in my life. I was like, you know what? I don't think I've ever said sorry to Dylan Weiser for taking that hundred bucks. So I want to say that here on the show. And I think <laughs> we did get to light off some fireworks. We did. We did eventually, but it took, it, it, it took longer than um, I, I, I wanted. So I just wanted to say, I'm sorry for that. But um, that's just part of growing up too. Like when you're growing up, like, you know, you're like I was saying before, like you were, you're just a, you know, tad older than us so like you know like you were the guy on the block that you know tj and jared and i were, were like oh we got to go ask dylan dylan's in charge you know and um yeah it was just a fun time you know and then i remember like you know as we as we got older you know um you also had like the place that you stayed is such a legendary residence here in this yeah. area you know so like um it's better known as the junkyard for my circle of friends, for the people who don't know who are listening. I mean, it was basically this secluded piece of land in, our, in Plymouth meeting that Dylan resided at. And it was so off the grid that like, it just, it, it had that feeling. Like when you would turn off the road, it was like, nobody's coming back here, you know? And uh, coincidentally, um, after Dylan moved out of there, um, our friend Travis moved in there, Travis Bosler. And then from that, my band downtown harvest was born in, your apartment that's that's incredible and that really was sort of a that was another one of those um pieces of time that bring back you know just incredible memories of of this this time where there was just not a lot of responsibility but but 
the ability to have fun and just be sort of carefree and, and mm -hmm. do things. And I think that was, that was also sort of, um, I don't know, how old were we there? Probably. We're about, I'm about 19 years old there. And okay. if you're like 21, you're like two years older than me, I think. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. um, yeah, it was around that time. And, um, I remember, um, just like a lot of like, like music, like music was happening a lot there, you know, like I was in a band called uncle Chester's fever. You, yeah. you were in a band. Um, and we actually, we did a show and it's, I think there's an audio recording of it. It's a, it's a, it's a great tale that people tell still around in this neck of the woods. It was, um, Dylan Weiser's hoot nanny. If I, if I recall correctly, right. That's right. Yeah. The hoot nanny. Yep. So what, what year's that? That's when you, you graduated from temple, right? Yeah. Okay. So like, you graduate from Temple and you had this like outdoor bash. And at the time, I believe Uncle Chester's Fever played, AJ played. There was a reggae yep. band, right? Do you recall yep. the name of that band? I, I don't, but I just remember him being another incredible musician. Who was incredible musician. I was blown away by that guy. He had such a butter voice. And that, um, you know, Frank Lewinko was on the drums, I believe, in that band. Yep. But um, that's when you started, you know, um, like you were getting out there and doing your thing. I, I, I think I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, like it, I'm pretty good with memory, but some of it's like, you know, uh, multiple choice. Did I teach you your first chord on guitar? I don't think so. I think but that we, was, we I, start doing lessons though. Right. Like you knew how to play, but I remember I would come over there yep. and I remember like one time, just like G, like we were practicing G over and over again. Right. Like, yeah. Yep. And, and then so, from there you just, took off with it. And you also, I mean, you became a singer and a songwriter. And, um, I mean, like I remember that performance and like now in 2020, like you're, you're, I just went, it was on Spotify uh, this morning. I was listening to, um, your band and I'm talking about the band burnt, uh, burnt down house, uh, bluegrass and, uh, their album's called trouble with the bottle. And I was listening to the song JC saloon, which is written yeah. by you and you're the singer. And I was just like, damn DW, go ahead, man. <laughs> so, so tell me so, so since like you know you left around that time period like after the hoot nanny like yeah. there was like the thing too is like um I was, I was thinking this this morning too it's like you were the first person i knew of who, who who was just like you know what um um i'm, I'm gonna leave i'm off the grid I'm, I'm gonna pack up my um car my dog and i'm out and i'm just gonna travel over you know i i believe alaska was always in your sight right mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. But you kind of did that like in the middle of the night, if I'm like, like you just were like on the whim, like you were just like Robin Hood, like I'm out. Right. <laughs> well, you know, the, when I was in high school, I knew, I knew I wanted to move to Alaska and it was really where we lived, seeing it get um, built up and, you know, just seeing the congestion and I knew I wanted to try something different. And so the day after high school, I loaded up and got as far as California and, decided I needed to come back and do four years of college. And so um, drove all the way back and, and did four years at Temple University and a week after I graduated there. That's right. Um, yeah. Loaded up and just moved on out. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask you um, um, about Irie Dog. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, definitely one of the, the best dogs. Um, he passed I, away at, at I know. 20 yeah. years old. At 20 but, uh, years old. Wow, dude. Yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, it's, it's, I knew that you loved that dog like a son. And that dog was one of the best dogs I remember, like, 
I had a dog named Mojo at that time period. And I was mm-hmm. like, why can't you be like Ivory Dog? You know, like <laughs> the dog listens to like, everything he says. The dog lived to be 20 years old. I don't think yeah. I've ever met a dog that's 20 years old. Yeah, yeah. Passed away in this house here and in Alaska. And uh, had, had a great life, though. Had a great life. Just like he would uh, go mountain biking with us back home. Um, he jumped right in the kayaks up here in Alaska and loved to go boating and loved wow. to go adventuring and hiking. Yeah. Man, that dog was – I love that dog. I'm sorry. I, I knew that – I mean, like, by math, you know, the rules of – of mathematics, I knew that it was highly unlikely that the dog was still alive. But man, what a great dog! <laughs> yeah, that's so. Like you, you leave and you go out there, you know. And like, did you have like did you have a plan, or you just knew that you wanted to be surrounded in the wilderness? You know, I I didn't have a plan. I uh, I knew I wanted to move up here. Um, I didn't know where I wanted to live, but I knew I could spend um, about a year or so just traveling around and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And so um, really visited tons of places in Alaska over about eight months and um, spent time visiting people and, and checking out communities. And mm-hmm. uh, it's sort of a cliche for the town I live in, but you, you come over this hill and it opens up into this beautiful bay with glaciers and mountains and bald eagles flying and um, came over that hill and, and just never left 20 years later. That's what's up. I mean, um, I've always, I mean, like I go to Valley Green a lot. I was there um, this morning and I, I sent you a picture, right? Yeah. The other day, it's, it's like, you know, it, it, there, it is something special to be in the woods. It's like, you know, I think that a lot of what, what's going on in today's world now is that, you know, so a lot of people are having such a difficult time with what's going on with the pandemic because they have been, like, we have been so far removed from our natural, like, technically you know, like you and I were supposed to get up early in the morning, go out into the wilderness, come back with something for everybody to eat, drink, be merry, go to bed and do the same thing all over again. But somewhere along the way, we lost touch with that type of, um, you know, the humanistic quality of like what nature provides for us. And like now, you know, people are so upset because, you know, they can't go out to a restaurant, sit inside air conditioning and be pampered and stuff. And it's like, I, you know, I learned to cook. So I like during the pandemic, I'm just like, oh yeah, I, you know, I'm not really yeah. missing that. And I've been going out to the, you know, nature quite a bit more now than I, I was in the last couple of years. I mean, I would, I would go on a hike occasionally, but now I'm trying to hit it up every day. And I think for the listeners out there, if like you, you really want to get in touch with like, you know, yourself. I mean, like that's where you go. You don't go to a gym, you know what I mean? Like stare at, to, stare at your iPod, you know, and like, I just feel like a lot of people could get used to that. And it's, it's, it's sad that, um, you know, like that's the, the general consensus with people right now in the world. Here in Plymouth Meeting, um, everybody's wearing a mask now, you know, and there's a lot of people who are upset. I was curious, and I'm sure some of the listeners here are like, what's the, um, the general consensus out there where you are? Sure. Um, you know, and it's, it's pretty interesting. The cases are pretty low here compared um, to nationally. I think there's a, a couple hundred in the state. Um, and so people are, are pretty spread out as well. Um, and so it's, it's affecting us. Um, and I would say they're, they're like um, a lot of America where there's this mix of um, conservative and, and liberal values meeting. Um, there's also a mix of people's response to this. And, and so um, 
you know, when you go out on the day to day, there's there's some people who are wearing a mask and, and doing what's being asked and um, some people that are not and some stores that are making it mandatory, um, mm -hmm. some stores that aren't. But um, <clears throat> this state is one of the ones that's taking a, a pretty serious approach um, to having people come and visit um, from out of state. And so you have to be tested before you come to the state. You have to test while you're in the state. Um, and you have to quarantine in between those periods. And they're, they're really trying to enforce that with travelers coming. But I think like everywhere, um, you know, it's, it's not being contained. And yeah. It's, I mean, over here, there's like this weird um, rift where it's like, uh, well, so now it's like mandatory to, excuse me, wear a mask just in public. So, yes. you know, I, people were now wearing masks on the trail at Valley Green. And a lot of people, you know, are upset about that, you know, and it's like, I, I mean, I mean, I, for one, like, you know, I, you know, we're in this situation, there's nothing we can do, you know, I mean, like, we can just wait and see, you know, and trust in science that, you know, they can find a vaccine. But it has, it, I mean, like, one of the things that I never thought that, it, you know, it would um, manifest is like this rift with like, people in general, like, you know, like, I'm mad because you're telling me to wear a mask. It's like, I'm not telling you to lose, like, your freedom of speech. I'm just asking you to protect yourself, you know? And it's a weird, like, um, study, and I guess in sociology, as to, like, what people want, you know? Right. Yep. And I guess it's, you know, my take is, if it can help a little bit, and it's respectful of other people, what's yeah. the inconvenience? Yeah, what's the inconvenience, you know? I mean... The other thing that's really suffering um, is just live music in general, you know, I mean, yeah. and yeah. like you and um, I, like we know we, we, we have, you know, um, vested interest in performing yeah. and um, that's really weird right now. I mean, uh, I just yeah. came back from King of Prussia this morning um, and I drove past the Bridgeport Rib House. I'm, I think you remember that place, right? So they have tents set up outside and that's where the, the performers are, you know, doing their thing and people are eating chicken wings and it's a hundred degrees with the humidity right now. And it's just like, man, this is just, yeah. this is, and it's so hard too for musicians because it's like many of my friends, like that's how they make their living, you know? And it's like the gigs just washed up. Yeah. And that's, you know, our, our band, um, we were supposed to do a, a two week tour of Kentucky, um, the last two weeks of May and then spend, uh, six weeks in Europe, uh, touring Europe. Um, and we had all the gigs lined up. Um, our friend Andrew Heist, incredible musician, oh, wow. coming along with us um, to play mandolin on that gig. And of course, you know. That's right. He was a mandolin player. I forgot about that. So all of that canceled. And, you know, this new world of doing things online and, um, you know, these um, seeing all your friends doing, doing shows online. And, and I was just having this conversation with Andrew, you know. It's, it's supposed to make you feel good and make you feel connected, but it, it also has this feeling of disconnected and sort of that longing for, for what it was when everybody was together and face-to-face. -face. I agree. Um, I did like um, three online festivals in the first like couple of weeks, you know, to provide entertainment for people. And I just didn't know what the, you know, I, I was just like, how do I do this? And like, you know, after I did it a, a couple of times, it's just, it's just odd when you finish a song and it's just, there's nobody there, you know, I mean, they're watching you and it's like, you know, some people can move through it a lot easier. And I noticed that, you know, observed that some musicians, they're just not, their level of comfortability is just not there then because they need that 
see that for people who enjoy music who aren't musicians there's this whole input output thing you know it's like you're getting the energy from them you know especially with bluegrass let's be honest i mean with bluegrass you know when you got a band name like turned down how burnt down house you want to burn down the house every night you know what i mean like <laughs> not burn down the computer you know and it, yeah. it's just i i i I hope and I'm, you know, I, I wish that, you know, when, you know, things go back to normal, you know, people can, you know, have a newfound respect for live music, you know, because yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I, from experience can tell you too, like, you know, I've had some really great shows and I've had, I've also had some shows where people are watching the Phillies on the television behind me, you know, and that is a pride sucking siege, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't miss those moments, you know, like, yeah. So tell me, tell me about the band. Like, um, how long? Like, I know the album came out in 2019, but tell me more about um, this outfit. Sure. So this this band has actually been been going for about a decade. And, wow. Uh, yeah, and and you know, as is the nature of bluegrass, it's it's cycled few through few people. Um, but really, the core of it, um, we started. Um, I was uh, volunteering on the fire department here. Um, and back in about, uh, I think 2007, um, one of the guys on the fire department who had just moved to town, um, said, oh, you should meet, um, my partner, she plays bluegrass and, um, I had just gotten out of a band and so, uh, was looking to, to start specifically a, a traditional bluegrass band. I, I describe it as a shirt and tie bluegrass band. Um, and so met up with, um, my now very good friend and bandmate, Katie Clan, And, um, we instantly knew, um, that, uh, we had something that clicked and we wanted to play music. Um, and I was dating this gal, um, Angela Brock at the time. And, um, she started singing along with us and she, um, she sings the title tracks on the album, um, and just has an incredible voice and agreed to play bass. And so um, she learned up the stand-up bass and we started as a, a three-piece. And then through the years have had um, various banjo players with us, various mandolin players. Um, at one point, um, <laughs> the, man, the banjo player for Bill Monroe, one of his banjo players, ended up uh, being the pharmacist here in Homer, Alaska. What? So, yeah. <laughs> And so we had this banjo playing pharmacist with us for a couple years. Um, and so that was fun. And different that, sounds like, that sounds like a band name, Banjo Man Pharmacist. <laughs> yeah. and, and all this time, uh, we were, you know, looking for a band name and, um, in the beginning. And um, one day, Angela came down the stairs with this look on her face that was just white as can be. And uh, I'm pretty direct. And so I said, uh, what's the matter? You're not pregnant, are you? And she goes, no, this is going to be cheaper. My house just burned to the ground. Mm. So uh, that would make a good band name, Burnt Down House. And uh, so that's sort of where where the name came from. She came up with that. Wow, it's a great band name. And also, too, uh, it's very cool that you became a firefighter. I didn't yeah. Know that. I didn't know. Are, you, are you still a volunteer firefighter? Or? No, I spent five years doing it and uh, mm -hmm. put my time in and really enjoyed it. And um, yeah. I could totally see you doing that, too. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Um, are you still involved with, um, like agriculture, landscaping and, you know, like, yeah, avenues? 
For sure, um, more more for my own. Um, so during the day, um, I work as a guardian ad litem. So I work for the court system, um, helping kids through the foster care system. Oh, that's but awesome, I get man. To do that. Oh, thank you. But I get to do that from working from home. So I have a nice... Um, that's your office right there, right? Yep. That's my office here and got a, um, a nice landscape. I have a big greenhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a nice little um, piece here in downtown Homer. Yeah, I, um, my grandfather was a, a, a firefighter. Um, he was a firefighter here in Country Hocken, and um, people listening, you like they since now um, like knocked down everything around there except the firehouse because my grandfather registered it a historical property, and it's crazy, you know, how strong and significant the title historical property is because no matter what they wanted, you know, they wanted to take the Plymouth Meeting Friends School down. Do you remember uh, that on like Germantown Butler? Yeah. I actually I actually worked there and um for about three years I taught fourth grade there. And um they were trying so hard to um cut through um the friend school because if you recall living here, Dylan, I'm sure you do, like um Butler Pike was here and then like you know, you make the left to go down towards the junkyard and people just didn't understand that intersection. They still don't yeah. understand the intersection. They get stuck in the middle, they don't know what's going on, they want to cut right through there. And um yeah, it's just it's just a weird thing. But um, it's very interesting the um, the path that um, you you um, continued on through there, and um, I, I have seen a picture, I believe, of like what your your house is there. Your house is awesome, by the way. Oh, thank you. I dig it. Um, I totally. Uh, I think that it's it's got that unique look to it. Do you still have any pets, or are you petless? No, I don't have I don't have any pets now. Um, I actually uh, right now I'm going through a period of not having pets because I'm doing quite a bit of traveling. Um, mm. You know, loving the loving the bluegrass scene so much. And um, recently, uh, we had a the band configuration um, was a full five piece bluegrass band, and um, one of the um, both of the members, the mandolin player and the banjo player, were both um, stationed in the Coast Guard here. And so after about two and three years, um, uh, one of them, the captain of the boat um, who played mandolin, he got restationed um, and so has moved on. And then our banjo player um, who learned the banjo um, while he was up here and learned the five string banjo to be in the band and became an incredible musician, um, actually decided to go off to um, Kentucky where he's from Mm -hmm. to pursue music. And before he did that, he took the whole band down there on a tour. Um, so we spent a couple weeks down there last year. Um, and I loved it so much that I actually bought some property down there. And so split my time between here and um, Bardstown, Kentucky. And so oh, wow. don't have any pets. Um, Cause it, yeah, you can't it, then. Yeah. it's a lot easier to travel back and forth. Yeah. Uh, I, I drove through Kentucky when I was on tour with a band called brother with drew. Um, oh yeah. Very beautiful there. I, I'm sure you guys have played Nashville, right? No, we haven't played in Nashville, but I've been to Nashville. Yeah, yeah, I just I was just there last summer for the first time, and I wow. was yeah, I was just blown away by it. I was on a tour with the band, and we played um, um, Springwater Supper Club. It's the oldest uh, venue in Nashville. Oh, and it was wow. real, it was a really really, I mean, like if you're a musician, you you got to go and play, and you know, I mean, hopefully things go back to normal. But I mean, like you know, um, that's a place that just accepts music you know it's like almost like uh, las vegas and new york had a kid together and nashville came out and like 
that's it's, it's interesting too because like when i was down there i i had the the general consensus that just people just love music you know like especially with bluegrass i've been to a few bluegrass festivals and the the vibe is always you know it's always it's always uh you know just percolating and a lot of whiskey a lot of scotch you know <laughs> a lot of bourbon you know yeah um but yeah it's interesting uh did you ever do you guys ever would you ever consider touring through philadelphia again absolutely absolutely and you guys ha you guys have a booking agent we we don't right now we're sort of um because our, our banjo players down in Kentucky, um, mm -hmm. our mandolin player got stationed on the East Coast, you know, we're sort of um, using this time as sort of a period to regroup, you know, and um, yeah. and all of us have full-time day jobs. So it was, you know, sort of putting in this this intense hobby. Um, yeah, that's a great way to describe it, an intense hobby. Yeah. It's very intense too. When it comes to music, it, it's an, it, it, if you're not, if it's not intense, that means that you're not putting your like your life right. force into it you know it's like i know some band i've seen bands before with you know no intention of you know putting in that extra work and it shows you know i mean i i for one have always loved practice and i know you love practice you love like rehearsal and you i remember like your, your explicit um attention to detail you know and like <laughs> when it comes to rehearsal i mean you know when you get up on stage you want to you want it, you wanted everything to go like, you know, autopilot, you know, like, and I find with myself, but if I was like, I'm not in a band right now and, um, it's weird. It's like the first time in my life that I'm just not in a band, you know, and, uh, I've actually taken this time to learn new instruments. I've always wanted to learn how to play the piano. So I start learning the piano in like late oh, wow. April and, wow. um, it's been really fun and I never really, I never realized how percussive the piano is, you know, I always thought it was just these, you know, things, but it, it's a percussive instrument and um, yeah, it's been fun. You know, what about you? you? You're just still an acoustic, right? Did you ever move over to the manda mandolin or banjo? Nope. I, I pretty much stayed with, um, with the guitar and, you know, just working on flat picking and, and solid bluegrass rhythm guitar. And yeah, those um, rhythms are, those rhythms are tough to, to master. Um, I was, in a, I was in a country band in 2011 to like 2013 called Ditto Demi. And it was like uh, country and punk mixed together. And uh, those country, you know, rhythms are, you know, they get into your soul, you know. Um, the band I'm going to, um, your band I'm going to put a link underneath uh, here on the podcast for everybody to check out. You can also check them out on Spotify. And, you know, I hope that, you know, I get to see you in real life again. Hope to see your band, you know. It'd be fun. Um, I have some friends in Nashville and Kentucky's not too far from there, you know, in a different life or in this life, but you know, I'm happy to get old friends back on the show. It's one of the things that, you know, I, I did, I used to do the podcast every Thursday night in person and now it's going okay. to the computer. Yeah. Um, which has allowed me to reconnect with people I haven't seen in a long time. Sure. And uh, yeah, I mean like it's been what 20 years Dylan since you left, but yeah, you, know, and you look great, man. Thanks you man. You, you look great too, man. Um, the thing that, you know, we still talk about you, you know, like we still reference those days, you know what I mean? Like, like when the podcast with Pat, like, uh, you know, we must've riffed on you for, you know, maybe 10 minutes there. It's just like, yeah, we, you never forget somebody who was like, you know, special in your life, no matter where they go. And, uh, um, super special time with you guys and, and having Pat there and playing music with him. And, mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it was special, man. It was just a special time. It was very creative, you know? And like, 
I, I, I'm not sure if you're aware of this now, but the, the oddest thing ever, I mean, you know, so Travis moved in there, then Drew moved in there. Drew okay. moved upstairs for about maybe six years and the bottom um, wow. laid open. Um, when the bottom, I mean, we could go back and forth between the two apartments, but your apartment, I believe, had an issue. I know the roof was going to cave in. I think when you were leaving, too, you, uh, like, the, like the, the top part was not being held correct. The place was just well, falling apart. Well, you have to understand, when I moved in there, I ripped a condemn sign off the door that the fire department <laughs> had put on there. And so we lived in the house for a decade after it was condemned, right? So that's insane. Um, Drew, yeah. Drew made it his own, though. Drew had a fire pit in the backyard. He had, you know, a, a, a slew of vehicles. Um, there was uh, one night where um, Eddie Reese, uh, the son, threw a party, oh, yeah. and he had flatbed trucks out front there. The bands played on the trucks. But the sad thing is, is that maybe around 2012 or 13, it, the, the, the condemned house, the junkyard house, it just got knocked down. Like they, yeah. they were like, that's it. And now the craziest thing is, man, you remember when like you would come off the exit there and like, you know, the, it would come around like this. Oh, on, yeah. uh, so now it's all apartments. You know, the woods that were in front of your house? Yeah. That is all gone now. And it's those like large... Um, you know, uh, I, I guess like, you know, young adult contemporary apartment buildings with the pool in the middle and like, you know, the fitness center. And it, it's just too weird for me. I'm just like, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm, I'm mid, approaching middle age and like, you know, I, I'm starting to look at things that aren't there no more. You know, I see the junkyard, but it's gone, you know, but things change, man. That's how it goes, you know, but um, it's been a, it's been great catching up with you. I'm going to link some music here for people to check out. And, um, yeah, I hope to see you again soon. Absolutely, Bob. And come to Alaska. Bring your family. Come on up and visit. It's, it's great up here. And if not here, I'll see you in Kentucky. Yeah, it sounds like a dream. Uh, my name's Bob. This has been another episode of Bobcast. My man, Pots and Pans.